0: Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Well, like Evan said, I'm Bridget Thomas. I'm one of the leaders here at the church. Um, I'm really excited to be with you all here today. My family and I have been loved on this church for almost 13 years. It'll actually be 13 years in November. And, uh, I mean, we've been loved on through all the triumphs and the pain so well, most recently, Evan and Sarah know. And um, it's been amazing. You know, in Vineyard, everyone is welcome to play, right? So I've had a wonderful time serving in a lot of different capacities. So if if there's something that you want to do and you haven't done it, make sure you connect over with Evan and Sarah. I know they would love it. So when I was asked to speak, um, I was like, oh, okay, you know, and uh, <laughs> Jason was like, hey, we got a couple topics, and so just like last week when he mentioned him and Evan were like fighting over who was going to talk about money, he gave me one topic, and I don't even remember it, but the second one was like how to have joy in the midst of trouble. I was like, oh my gosh, that's my life, that's me, <laughs> I uh, I need to do that, because I am constantly constantly, I feel like, you know, fighting for that, right? Fighting for the joy. But before I officially begin, I just wanted to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm honored this morning to be sharing the word. Speak through me. Let them hear. God, let them hear your words, not my words. Let them hear your thoughts, your dreams, your hopes for us and not mine. I pray for all this morning that may have come in with heavy hearts, I pray that there be receive they receive this word and they are encouraged from it that we all leave here different. In Jesus name amen. so why does God want us to have joy? you know that could that's a could be a funny question why wouldn't he want us to have joy? It could be a very hard question for those that are dealing with a lot right now, you may seem that it's actually pretty sad and fleeting to even ask answer that question, right? You may look at the lives of other people and say, well, I could have joy if my life was a little different, right? If I had what he had, or if I had what she had, then it would be easier for me to have joy. They, they don't have my problems, right? They don't go through what I go through. And in, um, in Psalm 34, verses 1 through 3, right, it says, and I love this psalm. This you, you've heard it. If you haven't, if you don't know it by the actual psalm and verse, you've heard it by music. I will, I will extol the Lord, or I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together right? I will bless the Lord at all times, right? And it, we all have heard it, right? You're like, yeah, I'm blessing all the time until, right, <laughs> that time comes and it's difficult. When I was in graduate school, um, I, we had a small class, like 50-ish or whatever, regular grad school. And at that time, social media really wasn't a thing, I know you're probably thinking, what, like, how old is she? I know, I got moisturized, y'all, moisturized, yeah. <laughs> and uh, my, my, my boyfriend at the time uh, had just proposed to me over Christmas. And so I was coming back after winter break, and my friends knew, and they had begun uh, telling other people to, without my knowledge. Obviously, right? They're excited. They're sharing, I'm pretending getting engaged over hot Christmas, y'all. Oh, it's amazing, right? And this woman who I had been in the sorry, I keep messing it up. This woman that I had, who'd been in the program, and I had talked with her many times, you know, but we weren't like close. And, you know, she walks up to me and she's like, oh, I just wish I had your life. <laughs> she's like, I was like, I'm sorry, what'd you say now? <laughs> And she's like, I wish I had your life. I mean, Bridget, you were one of the smartest people in our class, and I just found out that great guy that I got a chance to meet just proposed to you. Man, I wish I had your life. And in that moment, right, I could have been like, oh, girl, thank you, you know, and just go, whatever. But in that, in that moment, the Holy Spirit came and, and, I, and, I felt, and I felt led to say, you know, the grass isn't always greener. I know, I know, bridge of grass is always green. I said, but here's the thing, though. What makes grass green? And she's like, water? No, no. If any of y'all here have ever fought those persistent dandelions in your life, you know it is not just water that gets rid of them, right? It is, it is the soil. The soil has to be enriched. It has to be rich, right? And I asked her, I said, what makes soil rich if it's not? And she's like, I don't know, manure, right? So I said, maybe I have just been through more poop than you have been through, (laughs) right? Maybe, you know. And she laughed, and I said, you know what, though? Class is about to start. Let's get a meal. I would love to talk more with you. Let's, like, I wanna share my testimony. And it, it, was, it was wonderful. We had a good time. But, it was, but what's interesting, what's, what's cool about Joy, right, because she saw me, I'm a pretty bubbly person pretty much all the time. She saw me being so happy, and it just assumed, right, that my life was without hiccups. She wasn't there just two years prior when I was working with the authorities and family members and begging my cousin, who's actually in special forces, to not come up to Ohio to deal with a guy who had been physically abusing me right? She wasn't there as I was growing up and feeling neglected and mistreated by my parents. She didn't know that I grew up very isolated. She wasn't there with me trying to deal with the pressure of feeling okay and fitting in and being and being normal when I'm struggling with betrayal from people the closest to me. She didn't see that. All she saw was what had happened once Jesus was implanted in me and how my, and how my grass was green. She didn't see all that was put into that grass. She didn't see all, how much I had to fight and toil and, and work that land to get it to look pleasing to anybody other than myself and God alone. She wasn't there, Right? And so when I was talking with her over a meal, and I was sharing this with her, and I was talking about the Holy Spirit, because she was a believer, right? She just had kind of lost her way a bit. She, I, I remember talking about, like, what stops us from having joy, right? And even today, right, recently, like, I've gone through some things, and and it's worry, right? Worry is a nasty thing, <laughs> It is, uh, it gives us this false sense of control. And when I'm, if I'm talking to my flesh, right? I love me when I'm with the Lord, but in my flesh, I love to control. I don't know any, it, maybe I'm the only person, but I love to be in control. I remember when I was in graduate school and we learned about contingency plans, and I, I did my, it's in round public policy, right? And if you do a plan and it doesn't work, then you get another plan. So wait a minute the first plan I worked for, if it fails, I get to get another plan that I like second best, but it's still my plan. <laughs> this is amazing. I want to do this all the time, right? But the thing, about, the thing about contingency plans is that it's in the world, right? And when you think about contingency plans, there isn't one in the scripture. Because what's a, a contingency plan at its root is to, is to uh, it's a fail safe, is to replace when the original plan fails. But when you have a plan that is without faults, when you have a God that is unchanging, there is no contingency plans in the kingdom. Even sometimes when it doesn't make sense to us, he is always right. And it's always good. In Psalm 55 and 22, we can read, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. He asks us to cast our cares on him because he knows how much we're going to struggle with this. He knows the warriors, right? The Marthas. I am a Martha. I am, right? I was like reading that. I still read that passage and be like, you got it wrong. (laughs) But even if we get worried down, there's something else that comes next or maybe that comes before, depending on your journey. And that's fear. We're asked all throughout scripture to be without fear, to focus on God, to put our things in his way, and and to be okay, but it's not always that easy. We've been reading Acts verse 2, 42 through 47, in the church, when we're talking about the new church, right? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, what I love most about the early church is that it existed, (laughs) right? Like, it was a tough time, right? Jesus rose He resurrected. He was with people, but it was still a tough time. Like, they still weren't really wearing those varsity jackets yet, right? They weren't walking around, and everyone was loving them. There was still skepticism there. There were still things they had to fight against. There were still people actively trying to stop them, just like today. And so, the apostles are doing their thing, right? They're doing their thing, and we know the story when Peter and John. You know how they heal the lame man, and he begins to walk again, and and they're called they're called in front of the Sanhedrin. And uh, we remember the Sanhedrin. You may not refer to it as the Sanhedrin peeps, uh, and if you. <laughs> But it was, uh, it, it's, this, it's this interesting governing body that was established to question those that pose a threat to Judaism, right? So it's like coming, coming before the law. I heard you were doing this. I heard you were doing that. Now you have to go, right? You have to go before the law. And, and we, uh, we witnessed this before, right? One of the most painful parts of, uh, of our history with Jesus, right? He went before the Sanhedrin. In Matthew 26, 57 through 67, we read, Those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. Okay, I want you to remember that. Peter's like, following, but he's not really following, okay? He entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so that they could put him, um, excuse me, so that they can put him to death. But they did not find any, though many false witnesses came forward. I'm going to scoot down a little bit. And so finally, they're getting frustrated, right? They keep trying to find people that are going to speak out against Jesus. Like, right, they need something. They need some proof, right? They can't just, they can't just kill him, right? Or so, or so we thought. So the high priest said to him, I, ch- I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all you in the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, right? And in, in Jewish cultures, when they tore clothes, it's normally when... Something has horribly happened, right? You'll see it. people die in their families. They will tear their clothes out of, um, right, sadness and anger. He says, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look now, you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think, right? And what does the crowd say? Kill them, right? So painful, right? And how does Peter react to this? I want to spend some time talking about the life of Peter. I really like Peter. Peter Peter's, uh, Peter's cool to me. Well, Peter disowned him, right? He was terrified. He was afraid. He was a, but but it's interesting because he was the exact same person who had just assaulted a person. Like it's like, what is happening? Like you're you're cutting somebody with a fisherman's knife one second, and now you're like hiding in the back corner, not willing to even say that you knew him, right? Because what does Peter do? Peter disowns Jesus, and not only does Peter disown Jesus, but in the text it says that he disowns him to a little servant girl. I don't know how much y'all know about uh, culture back then, but a little servant girl was not one that you really needed to be afraid of. But he was so afraid of anyone knowing his relationship to Jesus that he would lie to a child. People, no, 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 that's you. No, no, no. Nope, don't know him. Don't know him, right? But that wasn't the end of Peter, right? That wasn't his defining moment in the kingdom. Oftentimes we do things that are not in the kingdom. We do things that are not good. We make mistakes, but those mistakes are not the end of our story, and that was not the end of Peter's story. John 21 is a wonderful scripture uh, passage. If you have time, I don't, I want to like be respectful of time. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to sound a paraphrase, but I want you to read it when you have the opportunity to. So you see what happened, right? So Peter, <laughs> Jesus crucified, right? Peter goes, he sulks away, and then he rises, right? Jesus rises, The women go and tell everyone, and in Scripture it actually says they go and specifically say, "Go tell." Now I'm paraphrasing. Go tell Peter and (laughs) them, right? Specifically calls out, "Go and let him know he's risen." They let him know. What does Peter do? Is Peter like, "Yes, it's amazing, my boy's back." Yeah, no, no, he's ashamed. He's embarrassed. Ah, Jesus don't want me. It's all right. It's great. I mean, he kind of said he was, you know, whole, like, destroy the temple, right? Yeah, I kind of knew it was going to happen, but good for y'all. Good for you. I'm going to go fish. That's what Peter did. How many of us, when we are heartbroken, when we feel embarrassed, when we're sad, we go and do the things that are comfortable to us? Peter goes and fish. But what's great about the God that we serve? What does he do? Hmm? When we go and we try to hide ourselves away so no one can see us? Oh, he just he just shows up. And that's what happened. Peter's fishing, right? Peter's fishing, probably trying to figure out what he's going to do next. He really liked that apostle gig, but that's over, right? (laughs) And then someone on the shore says, hey, do you have any fish? And Peter, I'm hoping, Peter was like, (laughs) this is deja vu. (laughs) Didn't have any fish once before. I had fish. And he's like, no, we don't. Throw it on the right side. Okay. Well, we, you know, fish don't just congregate, but okay. You know, we'll throw it on the right side. Right. And what happens? He has a huge catch. Right. And then someone's like, oh my gosh, that's Jesus. What? Right. And at this moment, Peter is like, he came for me. He came to me. I I mean, let's just, let's just be honest. if you had just risen from the dead, you had a lot of stuff on your to-do list. right? You had you people to see. and Jesus came and looked and found Peter. So so he puts on his clothes. He puts back on his clothes, right? He took them off. It's probably hot that day. He took them off. He put them all on probably because he wanted to be in his best dress. And he jumps in the water, and he's swimming toward Jesus, right? He's excited. Just before, he's, he's invigorated. You know, the other people in the boat was like, okay, well, I mean, we were just coming to, to help you, but I guess we'll row the boat back with all these fish. Thanks, Peter, right? Peter doesn't care, right? He has tunnel vision again. He's with his... <sighs> He's with the love of his life, right? And he came back for me, right? And so in the scripture, I'm going to read this. Jesus says to him, right, he asks him three times if he loves him, right? He's like, yeah, I love you, right? I love you. And maybe Peter's not connecting. Hey, like, you denied him three times, friend, so maybe, <laughs> maybe he just ain't like going back. I don't know, right? And um, Jesus said, "Well, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But you're old, you will be you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you may not do not want to go, right? But follow me." And Peter's like, "Yes! Yes." Yeah. Yeah, this time you want me. I've been Peter's been redeemed, right? How many times have have, any, have we hurt someone, and we thought maybe we were beyond being forgive, right? Or we've hurt the Lord, and he's come back. Or that person has come back and told us that you are not the sum of your mistakes. You are not defined by anything that you do besides loving the Lord, right? So let's go back, all right? So now, when we think about um, right, having joy and what that needs and, and who, who we need to have joy, Right? <laughs> So now we go back and, right, Peter is before the Sanhedrin. He had been, they've been healing folks. They didn't like it. Sanhedrin is probably like, I mean, if you've ever been on a governing body and you have new business and old business, right, Jesus and his people, that was old business, right? They got other stuff to look through. I'm not sure why we're still having this conversation. Let's just go ahead and do this quickly. Let's tell them, like, you got to, like, let all this go, blah, blah, blah. Let's get through it, you know? But the problem is, for the Sanhedrin, the authority, what they were not aware of was that Peter was different. This isn't the same Peter that was sitting in the back, scared. This isn't the same Peter that denied Jesus to a little girl. Peter was new. So inter interwalks Peter, right? And I want y'all to think of, like... Um, <laughs> I want you to think almost like a, like, like a boxing match, right? Like, oh, here comes Simon Peter, Peter, against the Sanhedrin, right? And the Sanhedrin is just like, Sanhedrin, like Mike Tyson ain't no problem, right? Or Floyd Mayweather ain't no problem. But then like Peter, though, he, there's something different in him. Something different in him. There's something going on in him, right? So he's walking in. He's not afraid. He's almost like got that eye of the tiger, right? The deca right? And he's like up, right? He, you know, he <laughs> he is just on it. He is just laser focused. So let's read um, what happens, right? In Acts chapter four verses 7 through 16. And we got, we got to read this. I'll be quick though, I promise. I'm almost done. They had Peter and John brought before them and begin to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Pretty run-of-the-mill, right? I feel like they probably had a script (laughs) that they were going off of. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a lame man in our acts, how we how he was helped, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has now become a cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw, when they saw the courage of Peter, I, and I feel like they were pretty much like, what, what is happening? Right? Peter was a fisherman. He wasn't a scholarly man right? He wasn't the, the well-dressed, well-prepared, well-studied, well-versed in all the scripture, but this man, this fisherman, somebody that this, the, this assembly of elders probably would not even have spoken to if, he, if they passed him out on the street, just threw their words in their face. See, when he said that he was the cornerstone, he's now the cornerstone, he's who you rejected, that's straight from Psalm 118, and so they, they know this verse, and they're thinking, "How can he read? I mean, <laughs> he probably couldn't, to be honest. And so they're confused. They do not know what is happening, right? Let me keep reading. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. Right? And we read in verse 8 that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, do you think, do you think Peter was just like, you know, rising up? No. I mean, he had to get there. The Holy Spirit had to come in. See, because when it's not that we won't have fear or sadness or worry or strife, but when we do, we ask for our helper to come to be that eye of the tiger for us, for us to be laser focused on Jesus and Jesus alone. Peter knew who he was in front of, right? He knew he was in front of murderers. He knew this could be it, but if this is going to be it, and I've just been redeemed by someone who I I had betrayed and he loved me, not not throwing my sin in my face, but he loved me anew, and I'm going to keep going, and I am going to be bold for him. We're going to do this together, right? So then they, you know, the, the council was like, look, I don't, I don't have time for this. I feel like it's what they were. I don't, we ain't, we're not doing this today, all right? This little unlearned, idiotic, stupid man, he's delusional. So we're just going to tell him to stop, right? You just stop. And that's it. And then we can all break for lunch, go and get some tea, do some readings, right? They were like, we're going to make this quick and easy. It's going to be simple. But it wasn't. It says in verse 18, then they called them in again, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all, okay? But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They cannot decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God, right? So it had just turned into hysteria. Oh, Oh, Jesus, oh, we love you, Peter, that's right. Say it, right? Like everyone is like excited and, but, (laughs) and everyone feels good, right? Somebody like Peter, Somebody that's not from the best upbringing, that doesn't have the most money, just stood up to a council. But what what people didn't realize, what they were experiencing, it wasn't just Peter himself getting over the, getting, getting his courage. What they realized was that there was a new authority in place. The Sanhedrin no longer had the power that they thought they possessed, there was a new sheriff in town and he was bringing in love and he was bringing in empowerment and courage he was bringing in joy so let's have joy today hmm? will we will we bring him into our stuff our mess Will we let him take over? Will we let the Holy Spirit guide us, give us the words that we need to speak down the lives that we have chosen to eternalize? I'm sure I'm not the only person here who hasn't felt worry or fear, right? In John 16, 33, it says, You will have trouble in this world, but take heart because he's overcame it. We We serve a good God who wants to be with us, And I promise you, I'm almost done. One more quick story, and I'm going to invite Evan up. Our seven-year-old son loves science, okay? Loves the planets, the stars. He could tell you, you know, constellations, whatever. We're driving, and he's like, Mom, why can't I always see the moon? And I'm I'm half listening, let's just be honest. Like, I'm like, trying to focus on traffic. I'm trying to get to where we need to go. And I was like, Gavin, give me a second, give me a second. He's like, oh, is it because the earth is in the way? I'm like, no, right? For those that do love like understanding that stuff, you know that the, the moon is between us and the sun. And it isn't that the moon isn't always illuminated. It's that we just don't always see the full side of it. Because we have to wait for it to turn, for us to see the full face. It's not that God doesn't live inside of us, right? Those that have accepted Jesus as our Savior into our bodies. It's just that sometimes we don't turn to face him so that people can see the illumination that is within us all. And if you haven't accepted Jesus yet, He's ready, and he's waiting. He wants to be in you so that when the worries, the fears, the doubts, the failures, the pain comes, he steps in, he illuminates them, he shows them who you are, who you belong to. We don't belong to that sadness. We don't belong to the pain. We don't belong to the worry or the fear. We belong to him. He comes in, he steps in, and then we get to show everybody While they may only see how green our grass is, it becomes us to remind them that our grass is only green and it's only good because of who lives within us. Amen.